Well, good morning, Grace family. Open your Bibles with me this morning, if you would, to the book of Luke, chapter number 14. Luke, chapter number 14. This morning, we're going to be looking at verses 25 through 35 of Luke, chapter number 14. And friends, as you're turning there this morning, my name is Kevin Cottrell. I'm the senior associate pastor and missions pastor here at Grace. And this week, as I was praying through this message, I started thinking about where we really are today and this year, 20 and 22. I mean, without a doubt, we're living in a very interesting time in the world. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, think about it. For the last two plus years, we've been dealing with a global pandemic, right? And praise God, it looks like we're finally coming out of that. Praise God, we have a Grace Go team on the ground in Cucuta, Colombia this morning. So pray for them. We're getting out again. We're, we're moving. We are traveling in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and you know, but our, our Grace Go partners around the world are dealing with a war in Ukraine. They're doing their best to reach out to the Ukrainian refugees that are residing now in Poland and Romania. And here at home, we're dealing with a, a crazy time of inflation. Have you noticed that things have gotten a little pricey lately? Anybody notice that? You know, the cost of gasoline and the, the, the cost of the things we need on a daily basis have really skyrocketed recently. And it's caused people to take a hard look at their lifestyles. It's caused people to really consider the cost of the things they're purchasing. And friends, let me tell you, the same thing has been true in the Cottrell family recently. You know, my wife Sharon and I have been married for almost 32 years now, and we have four children. We have girl, boy, girl, boy. And so my youngest son, Nathan, is down in Texas. He's training to be a commercial airline pilot. And Nathan was here over Easter, and we got into a conversation about the price of new cars. You know, Aaron, my son, Nathan, he's dreaming about his first new car. He's dreaming about his first real job as a commercial airline pilot. And we were talking about cars and the prices of cars. But you know, Nathan, being the fourth kid, has been driving a used car with a lot of miles on it. Anybody here raise multiple children? You all know the value of a great used car that you can pass down from child to child to child, right? And as a father, I wanted to take advantage of this teachable moment. And I was trying to explain to Nathan the blessing and the beauty of not having a car payment. I was trying to explain to Nathan the blessing and the beauty of a paid-off car. So you dads out there, you know, I, I think he got it. He went, goes back to school, he goes back to Texas, and he's there a few days, maybe a week or two, and then he sends me a text message. He sends me a picture, and this is the picture he sent me. Do we have that picture? Yeah, that's right. That's that paid-off car we were just talking about. Somebody pulled out in front of my son Nathan and totaled that paid-off car. Now listen, it wasn't Nathan's fault. And praise God, no one was hurt. But Grace family, listen, the, that insurance settlement check versus the prices of cars right now have really caused the Cottrell family to consider the cost of this situation. So friends, I'm here my heart today. The title of my message today is Consider the Cost. <laughs> and in Luke chapter number 14, Jesus explains to us the cost of being a genuine disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. So friends, won't you stand with me this morning? Let's honor the reading of God's word, Luke chapter number 14. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 25 of Luke chapter number 14. It says, Now great multitudes went with him, being Jesus, and he turned and he said to them, If anyone comes to me 
and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. May God bless the reading of his word. Pray with me, please, if you would. Heavenly Father, it is an honor to be here today. It's an honor to gather here as a people of God, claiming Jesus Christ as Lord. And God, I pray you give us wisdom today. Help us to see what you want us to see. Help us hear what you want us to hear. And God, we're going to be very careful that we give you all the honor and all the glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Thank you, Grace family. Please be seated. Well, as we look at this text, the Bible tells us here that large crowds were were following with Jesus. The multitude was with him. And this is normal because, you know, whenever Jesus would come to a town, people would gather around him as far as the eye could see. They were fascinated by his words. They were fascinated by his teaching. They were absolutely amazed at the miracles Jesus would perform. They would gather in large crowds. They just couldn't wait to see what this Jesus might do next. And and as a result, they'd follow him from town to town and village to village. But friends, what we need to understand today is just because there was a large crowd of people did not necessarily mean that everybody in the crowd was a believer. Just because there was a large crowd of people did not mean that everybody in that large crowd was a genuine disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And friends, in fact, if you study the life and earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, there were times when Jesus would teach some things and say some things that would cause people to simply walk away. There are times when Jesus would say some things and tell them the truth and, and teach them some things and some people would say, whoa, no, 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 that's too much for me, and they would simply walk away. And over time, these crowds, crowds would get smaller and smaller and smaller. And that's what I'm seeing here in Luke chapter number 14. A large crowd is following Jesus, and Jesus looks at this large crowd, and he explains to them the cost of what it really means to be a genuine disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. What we need to see first of all this morning is the seriousness of discipleship. The seriousness of discipleship. Look at verse number 26 with me. Jesus says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and his mother and his wife and his children, his brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Wow. What is Jesus saying to us here? Is Jesus really saying that if I don't hate my own father and mother, I cannot be his disciple? Is Jesus really saying if I don't hate my own wife and my own children, I can't be his disciple? 
Is Jesus really saying if I don't love my own brother and sister, if I don't hate them, and, and if I don't hate even my own life, I cannot be his disciple? What Jesus is showing us here, Grace family, is the seriousness of discipleship. Jesus is showing us how serious you and I must believe, be in our personal walk and relationships with him. As I was studying this week, I really like what Dr. MacArthur said in his commentary on the book of Luke. Dr. MacArthur said, to hate one's own family is to prefer God over them by disregarding what they desire if that conflicts with what God requires. It is to love God more and them less. All other loves are subordinate to loving God with one's own heart, soul, mind, and strength. I like that. And then Dr. Warren Wiersbe, who I really like, says the word hate does not suggest positive antagonism, but rather to love less. Our love for Christ must be so strong that all other love is like hatred in comparison. You see, Grace family, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, as genuine disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, God has called you, he's called me to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. We're called to love him more than anyone or anything else in this life. We're called to love him with everything we have and everything we are. You see, friends, God's not calling us to go out and truly hate our families, but he's showing us the seriousness of our personal walk, the seriousness of our personal relationships, the seriousness of our personal devotion unto him. Well, friends, let me illustrate it for you like this by sharing my own salvation testimony. I grew up in South Arkansas in a small town called El Dorado, Arkansas. Anybody ever heard of El Dorado, Arkansas? All right, one person. Oh, praise God. When I was there, it was a big city. It was a happening place, Tom, about 26,000 people. Big city. And I grew up in a godly home. My parents were Christians. I grew up in what I call a beaver cleaver family. Anybody ever watch Leave it to Beaver when you're in? Oh, I got my people here. So I grew up in a beaver cleaver household. I had godly parents that loved each other and loved us. And, and my dad was a leader in the church. And so my dad was taking us to church. He was leading us to church. And as a kid, I loved going to church. I loved hearing about Jesus. I loved learning the Bible stories. I loved being with my friends. But as I grew up in the church, and even though I grew up in the church, I never truly knew Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Even though I had spent a lot of time in church, even though I had been there a lot of times when the doors were open, I never truly trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. You know, as I grew up and went to high school, sports was my true love. Sports was my first love. And I can remember sitting in church week after week in high school, and, and Ted, I'd be daydreaming about playing professional football, or I'd be daydreaming about playing professional baseball and wonder what it would be like to have everybody want my autograph. What would it be like to have all the pretty girls want to date me and go out with me? You know, I'd sit in church week after week thinking about that. You see, sports at that time was my God. That's what I loved. That's what I cherished. That's what I wanted to do. And so in high school, I played football and baseball, and I was decent. I made all conference and all district in baseball, all conference, all district in football. And I went to college in Southern Arkansas University on a football scholarship, and I was the punter on the football team. And so I love kicking the football. I love getting free school just to kick a football, Jeff Bryant. That was awesome. I love that. And so that's what I wanted to do. And I had big dreams. And so I, I did pretty good in college. I made all conference and all district my junior year. I'd made honorable mention All-American 
my junior year, and, and things were going great. And I had a great dream. Y'all are going to love this. My dream was to be the punter for the Dallas Cowboys. That's who I wanted to be. That's God's team. That's America's team. I wanted to be a punter for the Dallas Cowboys. You know, Tom Landry said they cut a hole in the roof so God could watch his team. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember that? I wanted to be the punter for the Dallas Cowboys. And let me tell you something. I thought I was something. I thought I was big stuff. I thought I had it all when actually I had nothing. You see, friends, anytime you place anything in front of God, eventually you're going to fall. But listen, somehow, by the grace of God, during this same time, I convinced this beautiful little Southern Baptist girl named Sharon that she needed to be with me. And so Sharon and I had dated. We had gotten married my junior year, right before my senior year of college. And, and so I knew, though, if I was going to be with a, a good little Southern Baptist girl, I was going to have to go to church. And so gearing up for my senior year, I was gearing up for what I thought was going to be my run to be the punter for the Dallas Cowboys. And I was going to church with Sharon. So during that time, it was about the fourth or fifth game of the year. I can't remember exactly which one. I went out to punt on a fourth down, and just a normal punt in the middle of the field. And they snapped the ball to me, and there was a bad snap, and, and the ball was hopping all on the ground. And I tried to get the football. Everybody else tried to get the football. And before I knew it, I got an, a helmet on one side of my ankle and a helmet on the other side of my ankle, and I just went down. I got up, and I tried to run off the field, and I just fell back down. They took me to the hospital, did an x-ray, and I had broken my ankle in the shape of a V. Friends, listen, I was devastated. Everything I loved, everything I cherished, everything I hoped for, all my hopes, all my dreams, all my desires were taken away from me in one snap of the football. And I was absolutely devastated. That was a dark time for me. But I praise God for my godly wife, Sharon, during that time, convinced me to keep going to church with her. And, you know, they put one of those walking boots on me so I could, could hobble around. And I went to church with Sharon. And one Sunday morning, I heard a sermon on the great white throne judgment in Revelation. Pastor Frank, I know you're teaching through Revelation. You'll get there in a couple of years to the white throne judgment. I know you will. I know you will, brother. You ever heard a sermon on the white throne judgment? I can remember we were sitting on the back pew of the church, and during that invitation, I was holding on that pew for dear life. The Holy Spirit convicted me of my sin. I felt like the Holy Spirit had punched me right in the heart. I knew I was a sinner. I knew that I needed to trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. But as the invitation went on, I didn't walk the aisle. Church service is over, and Sharon and I get in the car, and we're driving home, and the Holy Spirit is just all over me. And just convicted me of my sin. And we pull into the driveway and I let Sharon out and I said, I'm sorry, sweetheart, I got to go back. And she got out of the car and I raced back to the church and everybody was gone. And here comes the pastor walking across the parking lot. And so I, I said, pastor, brother, listen, we got to get this right. And so I went into his office. He shared the gospel with me again. And right there on the spot, I repented of my sin and I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Right there on the spot, I knew all my sin was washed in the blood of Jesus. Right there on the spot, I knew all my sin was taken away from me as far as the east is from the west. I knew right then I was a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old had gone and the new had come. That is the greatest day of my life. September the 30th of 1990 was that day. And oh, friends, let me tell you something. From that moment on, things were different. 
From that moment on, everything changed. My desires changed. My hopes and dreams for the future changed. I had a new love for the Lord Jesus Christ like I'd never experienced before. Sure, I still love Sharon, and sure, I still love sports, and sure, for some reason, I still love the Dallas Cowboys. But my love for Jesus Christ was greater than any other love in my life. And I now had a great desire to grow and mature in my faith. I now had a new desire, a great desire to be a genuine disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus said it this way in Matthew 10, 37. He who loves father or mother more than me, he's not worthy of me. And who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And as I prayed and as I studied this week, I wrote it this way for your notes. As genuine disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, our love for Christ should be overwhelmingly obvious to the people in our lives. And all other love should pale in comparison. Friends, first of all, this morning, we must understand we are called to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. We're called to love him with everything we have and everything we are. But first of all, we must understand the seriousness of discipleship. But secondly, we must understand that this discipleship, this genuine discipleship, will cost us. Genuine discipleship will cost us. If we're going to be a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's going to cost us. Look at what Jesus said in verses 26 and 27. It says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and his mother, his wife and his children, his brothers and his sisters, yes, and even his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Well, friends, what Jesus is talking about here is a life of surrender. What Jesus is talking about here is a life that is totally and completely sold out for him. Jesus is talking about you, and he's talking about me as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about you, and he's talking about me as genuine disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, daily taking up our cross and following him. You see, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, the cry of our heart should be surrender. The cry of our heart should be, Lord, whatever you want, that's what I want. Lord, whatever you want is what I want. But friends, you got to understand this. That type of lifestyle, that type that's fully surrendered to Christ, that type of lifestyle that's totally, completely sold out for the Lord Jesus Christ is going to cost us. And Jesus tells us here we must consider the cost, and you and I must be willing to accept that cost. Look at what he says here, verse number 28 through 33. Let me read that to you again. He says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build a wall, a tower, and was unable to finish it. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else while on the other he is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Well, friends, listen, Jesus is telling us here we need to be wise. 
Jesus is telling us it is going to cost us to be a genuine disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. But friends, you and I must be willing to lay down our lives and accept the cost regardless of what it costs us. You know, friends, as I was thinking about this, as I was playing football in, in college and in high school, every year the same thing would happen. Every year we'd have a room full of people that were excited about coming out for football. Bob Bell, the room would be full of people who loved the, the glitter and the glamour of football. They wanted to put on that, that jersey. They wanted to come out on the lights on Friday night or Saturday afternoon and Saturday night, and the room would be filled with people. And every year the football coaches would come in and they would explain to us what we're about to do. They would explain to us that we're going to practice twice a day. And then back in those days, we were practicing three times a day. And they explained to us how much we're going to run and what we're going to do and what's going to be required of us. And then we would go out and we would practice for the first few days and everything would be great. We'd practice for the first week and then something would always change. Like the beginning of the second week of practice, we'd look up and go, wow, we lost 20% of our team. <laughs> Where did they go? Well, they considered the cost of what was being required of us, being required of them, and they said, that's too much for me, and they quit, and they walked away. Consider the cost. Pastor Frank, I saw the same thing when I was at Southwestern Seminary. You know, the first day of class, I'd walk into seminary, and, and I'd come in, and I'd, there would be people everywhere, and it'd be hard to find a seat in the class, and a great professor, I don't know, like a Dr. Catanzaro might walk in, and they got the syllabus for the, for the semester. And the professor's walking us through the course outline, walking us through that syllabus, talking to us about the books we're going to read, talking to us about the, the exams we're going to take. The professor would lay out the papers we were going to write. They'd lay out everything that we needed for the semester. And all of us would walk out and our eyes would be about this big. And then you'd come in for the second day of class and there'd be seats everywhere. It'd be easy to find a seat. Why? Because we considered the cost and we're not willing to accept the cost. And they walked away. You know, friends, in the same way, we must understand the Lord Jesus Christ is calling us to love him, to obey him, to follow him, to lay down our lives no matter what the cost may be. You know, friends, hear me this morning. A personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is beautiful. A personal walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is an amazing relationship filled with love perfect and everlasting love, filled with joy, is filled with peace. A personal relationship, a personal walk with Christ is like none other. The Lord promised he would never leave us. He would never forsake us. As believers, there's never a time that we're alone. The Lord Jesus Christ loves us with a perfect and an everlasting love. A personal walk with Christ is a beautiful, amazing relationship. But friends, we must understand in that same walk with Christ, there's going to also be tough times. There's going to be times of trial. There's going to be times of struggle. There's going to be times of sickness. There's going to be times of suffering. There's also going to be times we face all kinds of persecution. But friends, hear me today. A genuine disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ considers the cost of all of that. And considers all of that an honor and a joy as we follow Christ every single day of our lives. Friends, as genuine disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, we must be willing to accept the cost and follow him. You know, friends, one of my biggest blessings in my life, and God has blessed me tremendously, 
is that he's allowed me to travel all around the world and share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's allowed me to travel literally all around the world and, and tell people about Christ and, and trade church planners and disciple people, and I absolutely love that. But in the midst of that, God has given me some incredible personal relationships. In the midst of that, God has allowed me to meet some godly warriors for the Lord Jesus Christ. And friends, one of those guys that I met in Bihar, India, is one of my favorites, and his name is Maladas. Maladas. Maladas is in Bihar. I've been going to Bihar, India since about 2007. In fact, that's where I met Pastor Bobby Lewis, was in Bihar, India. Pastor Bobby and I met in 2012, preaching a pastor's conference together in Bihar, India. So from 2007 on, I'd been going year after year to Bihar, India, going village by village, sharing the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ and training church planters and help plant churches. Well, Maladas was one of those church planters. And I'd spent a lot of time with Maladas. We had preached together. We had trained together. We had prayed together. I'd been in Maladas's village. He's a godly man. Well, a few years ago, Maladas had finished preaching a service in a village, and he was walking home one evening. And as the story goes, some radical Hindus jumped Maladas and beat him up and basically left him on the roadside for dead. But by the grace of God, some people from Maladas's village found him, and they took him back to the village, and, and they took care of him. They nursed him back to health, and, and Maladas was okay, praise God. Well, it's probably a year later, maybe a little less than that, that I'm back in Bihar, India with a team of people. And we're sitting in a room with these church planners, and they begin to tell me this story. They told me about Maladas getting beat up. They told me about Maladas being nursed back to health. But then through a translator, Maladas looked at me, and Pastor Frank, he had the biggest smile on his face. And here's what he said to me. He said, Pastor Kevin, I got to suffer for Jesus. Pastor Kevin, I got to suffer for Jesus. Maladas was so excited that he was counted worthy to be beat up and suffer for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And oh, friends, now Maladas is even more on fire than ever before. He's an absolute warrior for the Lord Jesus Christ. And friends, that's an example for me and that's an example for you that we must consider the cost and be willing to assume whatever cost that may be. You know, friends, I wrote it this way for your notes. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ is not one of our hobbies. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ requires our full surrender. So you see, friends, we need to understand the seriousness of discipleship. We need to understand that genuine discipleship will cost us, and we must take on and accept that cost. But finally, as I look at this text, what I see here this morning is Jesus Christ has called you and he's called me to be salty disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I are called to be salty disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at what Jesus said in verses 34 and 35. He says, salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor the dunghill, but men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Friends, Jesus has called us to be fully surrendered, salty disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, I don't know a lot about salt. I'm not an expert on salt. I know I like it on my french fries, though. I tell you that. I love salt. I know salt is a preservative. It's a purifying agent. But one thing I do know is salt makes people thirsty. Dr. Wearsby said it this way. 
Salt gives flavor to things and most of all, makes people thirsty. By our character and conduct, we ought to make others thirsty for the Lord Jesus Christ and the salvation he alone can give. See, friends, as genuine disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, your life and my life should make other people thirsty for the things of God. You see, we should be walking and talking and breathing examples of a life that's been changed by the Lord Jesus Christ. We should be walking and talking and breathing examples of new creations in Christ Jesus. The old is gone and the new has come. Friends, people should look at your life and my life and they should see we have something that they are missing. But let me ask you this morning. Does that really describe your life? Would you just say you're a fully surrendered, salty disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? Does that really describe my life? Does that really describe my heart? Does my walk, does my journey with Christ make other people thirsty for the things of God? Friends, if if that's not where you are today, I pray you get that right with the Lord. But maybe you're here today. You say, Pastor Kevin, listen, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know that I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. No question. I know I know Christ as my Savior, but if I was honest... That really doesn't describe my walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that where you are today? You see, friends, what can happen to us if we're not careful? We can find ourselves so bogged down and and busyness of this world that we're not spending quality time on a daily basis with the Lord Jesus Christ. If we're not careful, we can become so busy and bogged down by this world that we're not daily feeding on the word of God and spending time with the Lord Jesus Christ and we're not abiding in him. And friends, when that happens, we can find ourselves tired. When that happens, we can find ourselves discouraged. When that happens, we can find ourselves being ineffective in our walk and our ministry for the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that where you are today? Have you ever been there? Well, let me illustrate it for you like this. I I love the story about the young man who wanted to be a lumberjack. You know this old illustration. The young man wanted to cut down trees. He wanted to be a lumberjack. And so he goes to the foreman of the crew and he says, hey, I want to be a lumberjack. Would you hire me to be a part of your crew? And the foreman says, I don't know. You're pretty young. And he says, well, give me a chance. And so the foreman says, all right, well, let me watch you cut down this tree. And so the young man takes his act and he he cuts down that tree and he does a great job. And the foreman says, okay, I'll give you a chance. First thing tomorrow morning, come and be here. And so the young man comes to the job and he's there before everybody else and he goes to work. And for the first few days, he's cutting down more trees than anybody. For the first few days, he is in the first place. He's even out working the seasoned lumberjacks and his boss is very impressed. But as the week goes on, his productivity goes lower and lower and lower. And at the end of the week, the boss comes to him and says, son, listen, I'm gonna have to let you go. I'm gonna have to fire you. And the young man says, well, well, wait a minute. Why are you letting me go? He says, son, you've gone from first place in cutting down trees to last place. The young man says, sir, I don't understand that. I get here before everybody else and I know I work harder than everybody else. I swing my ax more times than anybody else. I don't understand how I could be in last place. And the foreman took a deep breath and had mercy on the young man. And he says, son, let me ask you something. At any time during this week when you were working so hard, did you ever take the time to stop and sharpen your axe? Grace family, how many times do you and I get caught right there? 
We run, 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 run all week long. We have people to see, places to go, things to do. We live a 24-7 lifestyle. We own technology, our phones. It's like we can never escape. And that busyness can cause us not to be abiding in Christ, not to be feeding on the Word of God. And we must be careful that we're always taking the time to sharpen our axe and be an effective, salty disciples for the Lord Jesus Christ. But friends, maybe you're here today and you say, Kevin, this doesn't describe my life. This doesn't describe my heart because I really don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Friends, maybe you're like me and maybe you've been in church most of your life, but you've never personally trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Yes, maybe your parents are godly people and your grandparents are godly people, but they can't save you. Maybe you're here today and you personally have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Friends, hear the gospel today. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You have sinned, I have sinned. And the Bible says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of that sin is death. You see, because of our sin, all we deserve is spend an eternity separated from our loving God in a place of punishment the Bible calls hell. Oh, but friends, I have good news for you today. I have great news for you today. The Bible says that God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, because God loves you so much, he sent Jesus from heaven to earth, and Jesus Christ lived on this earth the perfect 33 years. Even though he was taken to the desert by the devil and tried and tempted in every way, Jesus never, ever sinned. He was pure and perfect in every way. But because he loved you so much and because he loved me so much, he took all of our sin upon himself and Jesus died on a cross for your sin and mine. He took our punishment for us. Jesus died and they buried him in a tomb, but old Grace family, he didn't stay there. Three days later, he came back to life, conquering sin, conquering death, so that everyone who believes in him can be forgiven. Everyone who believes in him can be saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And friends, I want you to understand today, there's one way and one way only to be forgiven, one way and one way only to be saved, and that's by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But friends, let me ask you today, do you truly know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You know, in just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation Jeff's going to play for us. We're going to sing a song, and, and that's a time for you to respond. You know, maybe it is you're here, and, and you're a believer in Christ, and you know you know Christ, and maybe you just want to come forward and pray. Maybe you just want to come forward and, and get right with God and be walking and leaping and praising God out in this community for the Lord Jesus Christ. But friends, hear me today. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, today could be the greatest day of your life. Today could be the day of salvation for you. Our pastors will be down front over here. We'll have counselors down front with you. Please don't leave without getting your life right with Christ. Stand with me, Grace family. Let's pray together. Thank you so much for watching us today. God is doing absolutely amazing things in and through our Grace Baptist Church family. If you'd like to share anything the Lord is doing in your life, feel free to reach out to us through our website or our app. And if you're ever in the Knoxville area, come by and worship with us and our family of faith here at Grace Baptist Church.